Hello, hello, and welcome to the HEA Book Club, where we read romance with friends. I am Summer O'Toole. Hello, I'm Kelsey, otherwise known as Best Friend Kelsey. Before we dive into the episode, which you guys are going to love, I just want to let you know that we're going to be talking about an awesome, awesome giveaway at the end of the episode and how to enter. We're going to be giving away things like Kindles, Audible subscription, Kindle Unlimited subscription, signed paperbacks. So definitely stick around to the end where we talk about how you could enter for a chance to win some of those amazing prizes. Awesome. So today we're going to be talking about enemies to lovers, fake dating. And we've talked about enemies to lovers already. Pretty self-explanatory. We won't go into all those juicy details. Fake dating though is like an interesting trope that I don't feel like exists in real life. No, there's no way. No. So fake dating is when, again, pretty self-explanatory. It's when two people either pretend to be dating, pretend to be engaged, and it's for some ulterior motive or convenience. And it's fairly common in romances, which is funny because it's, it's so absurd, like it doesn't exist really in real life. Though, if anybody's listening and you have fake dated somebody, and I'm not talking about you're at a bar and somebody's hating on you who you don't want to be hating on you, and you're like, oh, that's my boyfriend. That's that's definitely, yeah, it's a different kind of fake dating that I think we've all done at one point or another. Yeah, which I hate. Like, why can't I just be like, I'm not interested in you, go away. That's a whole different conversation that deserves some time. Yeah. Okay, we'll circle back. Another time. Probably off recording. (laughs) Kelsey, do you want to go first? Sure. Our weekly hots. So (gasps) Our weekly hots. Okay, so this week, one of my gentleman callers, who we're going to call Mr. Plant Daddy. He's in ag. He deals with crops. So we just, we figured it would be a good name. So he and I, we hooked up. And in the middle of hooking up, while we were hooking up, when one of these things happened, I was basically like, are you clean? I'm conscious about my health. I care about these things. And he was like, I'm pretty sure. And I'm like, "Mm, that is not a good enough answer. (laughs) Either you're clean or you're not. It's a yes or no answer. Basically, the answer was like an iffy yes. So I was like, here's what you need to do. You need to go get tested. And he was like, fine, fine. He was fine about it. He was good about it. So the next day I texted him and I was like, number one, how are you doing today? Number two, have you gotten STI tested yet? (laughs) Because if you know me, you know that I'm a very upfront and just like shoot it as it is kind of person. Ever the charmer. <laughs> I just like to know my answers. So that's my weekly hot. Safe sex, everyone. <laughs> I also love that in the beginning of that conversation, because you sent me a screenshot of it and you're like, why do I, why do I do these things? But the beginning of the conversation was, he was like, Hey, how are you feeling? Like, how's your day going? Blah, blah. And you're like, one, <laughs> how's your day? Two, have you gotten tested? <laughs> Valid. <laughs> Funny. My weekly hot is this over Christmas holiday period. I was in California and me and my family went to a winery. We did like wine tasting. It was small, just our family. Whenever we were indoors, we were wearing masks. It was as safe as we can be during this time. But one of the things that just like had me cracking up was the wine descriptions, like how wines are described. And I was like, this is something straight out of like a 1980s, like a romance novel. Oh boy. Uh, let me just, let me just read a few tidbits. First, we have a blend full of grace and power. Another tidbit is juicy entry with silk and velvet across the palette. Like, 
Are you describing wine or? They're not describing wine anymore. (laughs) The Tom Cole body part. Um, (laughs) Another one of my favorites was bold masculine nuances and candied cherry on the finish. And then here's another favorite one. Unveils inviting flavors of sweet and citrus and a Bavarian cream. First of all, anytime anybody's bodily fluids are described as cream, I want to just like drill my ears out with (laughs) something painful. And then there's a lot of silky roundnesses. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Silky and round, silky roundness. Why would anything in wine be round? That doesn't make sense to me. Honestly, I think people just sit down with a thesaurus and like come up with stuff when they're writing these descriptions or they actually have taste and experience in wine, which is something I don't have. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm not a wine person. Um, Either way, that's a great weekly hot. If I was at the winery with you, I would have been cracking up. Juicy entry with silk and velvet across the palate. (laughs) I'm going to include that in my next book and everybody who's listening will know what it's from. (laughs) All right. So do you want to talk about your book this week first or do you want me to? I want you to talk about yours first. Okay. All right. So this week I read The Spanish Love Deception by Elena Armas. And overall, I enjoyed this book. So you guys know I'm a straight shooter. So let me give you my ratings. So my overall rating is an 8 out of 10. This was a strong book. I did not want to put it down. My spiciness, my spicy level, which is out of 5, was only a 3 out of 5. There was way too many fade to blacks. And I've talked about this before, and I'll talk about it until the day I die. I'm reading romance to read the sex scenes <laughs> and to put myself in someone else's shoes and just like live my best life. Fading to black is not me living my best life. So three out of five. Premise of this book is that there's a girl and a guy. Catalina is the girl and Aaron is the guy. And I feel like this is how somebody like explains where babies come from. Oh, no. Is that the vibe I'm giving? There's a girl and there's a guy. <laughs> okay, okay. No, no, I'm listening. I'm listening. Are you sure? I am. Okay. There's a girl and a guy. <laughs> and they loved each other very, very much. <laughs> okay, so Catalina is super stubborn and bullheaded. Same with Aaron. And Catalina is like bubbly, wonderful personality. And she has this predicament where her sister is getting married. And she does not have a date to the wedding. However, she told her family that she does have a date to the wedding. So her and Aaron, they work in the same office. And Aaron overhears her talking to her best friend, being like, I don't have a date. I told everyone I have a date. I don't want to go see my ex-boyfriend, who she ended up fleeing the country for, by the way. Like a whole, whole big drama surrounding that. And they're up to like two weeks before the wedding. And Aaron steps in and he's like, Catalina, I will take you to the wedding. And... Catalina's like, absolutely not. You hate me. I hate you. We have history. Leave. Get out of my presence. And Aaron's like, no, Catalina, I'm serious. I will take you to the wedding. And Catalina, once again, is like, absolutely not. Step back, sir. It's just not happening. I hate your guts. So this goes on for like a week. And then finally, Catalina's like, I cannot say no. I need an option. My parents overheard me talking about Aaron on a phone call because Aaron stepped into my office. It has to be him. Otherwise, I'm absolutely more screwed than I already am. So lo and behold, Catalina decides to let Aaron come with her all the way to like some foreign country, not Spain. Oh, gosh, I should have remembered this, but some tropical Spanish speaking country. Lovely. But before Catalina says yes, 
Erin has her like kind of create this like proposition where she's like, if you, if I do this for you, you have to do something for me. And Catalina being like the strong independent woman that she is, is like, okay, fair. Like I'd much rather have a trade-off. So they have a trade-off where she ends up going with him to like some fundraiser where she turns out learning that he was once a super popular football star who dropped out for some reason. He's part of like a golden football family. I don't know. It's relevant. It puts a whole new spin on who he is and also like helps show him in a different light. Yeah. So she's very attracted to that. And she's very confused about how she's attracted to it, which is, you know, how these books kind of go. Yeah. So let's jump forward to them being in, we're going to call it Spain. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whatever country they were in. And there's all these situations that keep coming up. And there's this sexual tension that keeps on rising because they're staying in a place together. They're sharing a bed, their families around, like so many things are just getting hotter and hotter. So I'm going to read you my favorite quote. So right before this, they almost kiss, but they don't kiss. This is from Aaron. Catalina. There it was again. Not Lena. Catalina. I'm glad I didn't kiss you. Something halted in my chest. Why? The word was nothing more than a shaky whisper. Because when I finally take those lips in mine, it will be the furthest thing from pretending. I will not be showing you what it would be like if you were mine. I'll show you what it is. And I sure as hell won't be showing how good I could make you feel if you called me yours. You already know that I am. He paused. And I swore I could see the restraint in his posture as he was stopping himself from pouncing and returning us to our former position right against the hard surface of the wardrobe door. When I finally kiss you, there won't be any doubt in your mind that it is real. So... I'm into it, to say the least. I love his language. I love Shakespeare. A little bit. Like, he gets straight to what he wants, but he's also like, I have decided on you. You are mine. And once you decide that you also want me to be yours, like, there's going to be fire. So, once again, eight out of 10 of a book. I would probably even read it again. I'm not like Summer. I like rereading books. I like going on adventures again. So, yeah, pretty good. Okay, here's my question. What was her... Like, what was at stake for her where she needed to have a fake boyfriend? So she, in this country that I can't remember the name of, she used to be there with her ex-boyfriend, but her ex-boyfriend was her boss. So it's like she was going to school. No, not her boss. She was going to school and then he was her teacher and they hooked up. And then when shit hit the fan, he just like threw her under the bus and was basically like, I don't love you. This was just for fun. And like her name got ruined and he was like seen as an angel throughout it. So there's a lot of like power plays that happen between her and Aaron as well. Like in present day, because Aaron's about to get a promotion. He's like been lined up for a promotion, but it hasn't happened yet. So she's like super frantic that like the same thing that happened with this last guy is going to happen with him. And it's just like repeating patterns and trying to break those trauma molds. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you think you'd read it based off of what I said? No, but here's why. Okay. So I was supposed to read Avery Clean's Otherwise Engaged. I thought, I, I think I just like read so many blurbs trying to pick a book for this episode that I thought I was reading A Dark Romance. Oh. It was not. And I, okay, so this is what I realized. I like, especially with Enemies to Lovers and something like fake dating where it's the, the author really has to create a compelling reason why these people have to like be fake dating Mm -hmm. and because it's such an absurd thing that's kind of hard to do so to me when it's just like it's their life and they're just like going about it and they lie to their friends and say oh I have a date and I don't it's like it's not compelling enough to me 
you know okay. um does that make sense it does based off of your your reading history yeah I didn't read that book, <laughs> I read that book. <laughs> so I wanted to read I had started Sophie Lark's Brutal Prince which is the first in her Brutal Birthright series and I knew it was an arranged marriage and I was like okay this is fine like I'm halfway through otherwise engaged like I it's a has 4.8 on Amazon so like and I, the writing was good. There was good banter. Like I could see them getting to some saucy scenes that I probably would have enjoyed. But there was the main reason why they were like enemies was over a misunderstanding from high school. And I realized I can't do just like regular contemporary anymore. Like I need more to be at stake than just like, or more, more conflict than just like a misunderstanding, which is actually funny because I watched a TikTok that Sophie Lark, author who I ended up reading, did where she was talking about how she sort of plots out her books. And one of the things she mentioned was, what's the conflict or the reason why this couple can't be together that they have to like get through in the story? And she even said, like, it has to be a big thing. It can't just be a misunderstanding. So I mean, I'm glad for that because misunderstandings drive me up the wall. Absolutely up the wall. And when it's like two stubborn people who they're like, I don't know why she doesn't, she, she acts like she has no idea what she did wrong. And then she's like, he just dumped me for no reason. And it's like, just talk to each other. Hello. Yeah. When you're in the day of modern communication, you have about 70 different options of how you could talk to said person. You could send them a TikTok video. You could type out the words. You could be old school. You could give them a phone call. (laughs) We have options. Send a freaking carrier pigeon. I don't care. <laughs> um, but so this book was a, an arranged marriage. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to read it. And because I have to finish a book in a day. And I'm either going to have to like, I could not. Okay, so first, you know how bad I am about like reading on a schedule. Yeah. For background information, me and Kelsey have buddy read up to, I think, the fifth book in Outlander. She stuck to the schedule. She did great. I was like 300 pages behind the entire time. And then like a six months pause. And then finally I finished it. And the six months pause is really what killed me out of that. Yeah. (laughs) Anywho, so. Reading on a schedule. Yeah, so I was determined not to show up for our recording today and just be like, oops. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to have a book. So I was like, okay, Brutal Prince. It's an arranged marriage. Let's do it. And then to my lucky stars, because arranged marriage isn't really fake dating, but I was like, I, I'll spin it, I'll spin it. But this actually was like fake dating slash a fake marriage, because usually when it's an arranged marriage in a mafia romance setting, it's well known it's arranged, you know, like both families are in on it. Everyone knows what's going on. Like nobody's expecting them to act like they're in love. Okay. In this book, let's rewind, there is, they're in Chicago there's the Griffins, which are like the head of the Irish mob in Chicago. And then there's the Gallows, which are the Italian mob, their enemies, rivals. And um, in the beginning of the book, Ada and her brothers kind of like, they fuck up, stir up some drama, and they're about to start like basically a gang war. And they can't have this because Callum Griffin, who is the only son of the Griffins, is running for an elderman, which I'm pretty sure is kind of like a councilman in Chicago. To say it sounds like a, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, 
they, so they're like, are you crazy? Like we're dealing with the Polish mafia doing their like crazy stuff. And you're trying to start a gang war with the Italians. And, you know, this is how we knew that this book was going to be for me. We're a few, we're a few chapters in and they get into a fight and the enforcer guy for the Irish mob, he kneecaps Ada, who's the main character's brother. He like, he just like stomps on his kneecap, shatters it. And I was like, okay, this is the track (laughs) we're on. (laughs) Like we're no longer dealing with high school misunderstandings. We're dealing with the nitty gritty, the nitty gritty. And I say that with well knowing that mafia romances are so far from the reality of actual mafia and organized crime and all that. But anywho, I digress. Surprise, surprise. So basically the, the two fathers of these crime families decide, okay, Ada and Callum are going to have to get married. We're going to have to like unite for Callum to not only win this election, but also for us to be able to like handle the Polish mafia who are, you know, starting to get kind of ballsy. And they straight up hate each other. Like this was a genuine enemies to lovers. Ada tries to kill him at their wedding. Damn. He's like super allergic to strawberries. So she eats them all morning. So when they kiss, he goes into anaphylactic shock. And in her defense, she thought it would be like kind of funny. She's very like, very fiery, very like kind of a free spirit. She grew up with all brothers. So she's just like, she's a firecracker. I really like her. She reminds me a lot of Sabrina from my book that's coming out in March, but she's great. So yeah, she was like, oh, I thought I'd maybe give him hives. We would miss out on, you know, some of those like boring wedding photos. She was like, I didn't think you'd actually like go to the ER. And then she ends up moving in with their family and he's out by the pool when she first moves in and she goes over to him and he's actually being pretty cool, like not crazy and mad like she would expect him to be. And then he pulls her into the pool and starts to drown her. Like full on drown her, not just like they drown. Like- He's not actually trying to kill her, but he is like holding her under while she struggles. And he's like, see, not super fun when somebody like takes away your breath, huh? So these people are like, there are some elements of that like sexual tension that are in so many of these fake dating tropes where they're like, oh, like they're actually kind of hot. But it's more of this like angry, I want to like grind this person down. They have one way to build up that tension. Yeah. Amazing angry sex. I thought I'd seen it all. Their angry sex, I was like, oh, okay, that's how this is supposed to go. (laughs) Just the spice out of this world. They deal with a lot throughout the book. They deal with like a lot of very intense situations where they have to help each other out, protect each other. So them ending up falling in love is a believable progression that just, it just went so well. It was constantly surprising me. I think when you had text, you had called me last night when I was reading it, and I was like, mm-hmm. Kelsey, I couldn't give too much away because I didn't tell you that I was changing the book. <laughs> and I was like, a Molotov cocktail was just thrown, and you called me. But not only was a Molotov cocktail being thrown, but he was getting a unanesthesiized. Basically, mm-hmm. somebody was torturing him by going to give him an appendectomy with like a bunch mm-hmm. of knife. What is that? Uh, when they take your appendix out. Oh, I don't know why when you said it, it just didn't sound like a real world. Okay. It Got might you. not be the right word. But yeah, so uh, he's like a knife in his side and there's a Molotov cocktail throwing. So definitely like there, there was the dark elements that I love. There was the tension. There was 
surprise twists. Really, really excellent. All around, I would say it was 10 stars. Like, I was giddy reading it. Like, halfway through, I had to, like, stop to make dinner. And I was just, like, dancing around, listening to the playlist. Because Sophia Lark makes playlists for all her books. So giddy that I could hardly even focus on reading. It was a 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. So good. Like, as soon as I finished it, I tried to buy a signed copy from her website. But they weren't there. No. <laughs> that's okay because she said that she's going to be putting them on her website soon so if you like i'm coming for you in those signed copies basically very very good spice five out of five plot character 10 out of 10 really liked it really really liked it and let me read my favorite quote i have been in anticipation for this i'm like is it going to involve molotov cocktails you know they're drowning each other i'm just waiting for it okay it's not going to be the Molotov cocktails, but he's talking about very opposite. Callum is like very cold, methodical. Everything is in order. He's very ambition motivated. Like, and Ada is just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Oliver is her, her ex-boyfriend who just like, they did not, they did not fit, but he like really loved her and wants her back and stuff. So they're talking about that. And she's talking to him about, Oliver and she said ironically I broke up with him because I thought I should find someone more compatible someone more like me Cal has to laugh too instead he got the exact opposite he says right I say and then this part was my favorite quote opposites have a kind of symmetry fire and ice stern and playful impulsive and restrained and in a way they belong together Oliver and I were more like two objects selected at random a pen and an owl a cookie and a shovel that's why there is no emotion on my side, just indifference. You need push and pull to feel love or hate. And I thought that was not only very like pretty writing, but also just like the pen and the owl, like a cookie and a shovel. Like that is just, they're so yeah. random, but perfectly explain the difference between being incompatible with somebody and like opposite attract. It is a really good analogy. Yeah. Very good book. Highly recommend. I will definitely be reading the entire series. Then there's like a second generation series. So I can see it on your face. <laughs> you are, you are so thrilled. And there's like moments where you're like getting lost in thought where I know you're just reliving the book. So that's a compliment. Your silence is a compliment. <laughs> My silence, a rare, rare thing. <laughs> Oof. Good book, Kelsey. A good book. I mean, I don't think we'd hit the day so soon where you said it was a 10 out of 10. Dang. I, I want to be more scrupulous, you know? Yeah. But Sometimes you just can't. I can't. I mean, we are in the HEA book club for a reason. Exactly. Right? Oh, off topic, but on topic. Okay. I forgot to mention something about my book. Hit me. There was so much comedic genius in it. So, so much. And I really should have said this when I was talking about it in the first place. But like whenever there's comedy, whenever they just like manage to throw it in and like these people, they were just so witty. I just soak it up. That's why it was really an eight out of 10 at the end of the day was because of the comedic genius. A rom-com done well. So good. Chef's kiss. That was another thing that I loved about this book. <laughs> was at times it kind of read like a rom-com. Like there would be in like a very intense, dangerous situation. And the like internal dialogue of the character was so funny. I do love that. Yeah. Nope. We got the silence again. <laughs> 
I was just thinking about how obsessed I am with Sophie Lark as a person, as an author. She also wrote that serial killer stalker book I maybe told you about. Mm-hmm. You did? Mm-hmm. Anywho, that's what I think is fun about our podcast. So we talk about all the different sides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're more mafia. I'm more rom-com. Yeah. All gets mixed in with each other. A little bit. A little bit for everyone. All right, so... Yes. Let me pull up my notes. That was all just, you know, off the top of my head. I actually had notes too. Another thing I really liked, should we just change the name of this podcast to Sophie Larkin Myers? (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I also liked was that it was dual POV, which is super, super common. Oh yeah. But sometimes I feel like the, the woman and the man's voices sound too much the same. Like it would be the man's voice or like their narration point of view would just have more like cuss words in it. Mm-hmm. But I felt like in this, there was two distinct voices and one was like distinctly more masculine. And that's one of the, also one of the reasons why like everything I've written so far has been just single point of view because it doesn't, it doesn't come naturally to me, but I also sometimes like having that mystery of not knowing what's in the other person's head as well. It's a good combo. Yeah. I know that with my book, it was two different points of view. Mm-hmm. And what helped with that was there was so much dialogue. They had like different dialects in which they spoke as well. Not only like was she mainly Spanish speaking and then in an English country, he also just had this almost like, this word suave? Suave? Suave. It's <laughs> yeah, this really like suave way of speaking. Yeah. You know what? I could say that it's suave. Because that's how suave it was. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyways, it was just distinct is the point that I'm trying to make here. It was yeah, very yeah. distinct. And it takes a lot of talent to do that. Because you're right. There's books where I've read where I'm like, which part am I reading? And then I have to go back to the chapter title. And I'm like, well, this is kind of sucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When it just, it's like a feminine voice, but they just like cuss more often. I mean, that could just be me. <laughs> But I, but I mean, that's obviously like a generalization about yes. like men versus women, because obviously there's plenty of women who cuss more than men. But yeah. Okay. There was one part that was kind of like, got me kind of emotional. Her mom died when she was young and she's like much younger than her other three brothers. I think she was, I think four when her mom died. So her other brothers obviously had more time with her, more memories with her. And as you know, my dad died when I was three. So, and we're not like super close with his side of the family anymore. Very close to my mom's side of the family. Um, I look a lot like my mom. My mom always says like, I look like my mom, but have her coloring. My brother looks like my dad, but has her coloring. And in this book, she's talking about her brothers. And she says, Dante has her focus. Nero has her talent. Sebastian has her kindness. I don't know what I have. Her eyes, I suppose. I can play the piano a little but not like her. And that like tugged at my heartstrings because anytime I'm looking through old photos, I am like trying to find parts where I look like my dad because I don't have him anymore. Like I don't have many memories. I don't have his side of the family as much to like fill in those gaps. So like I want to carry some of it with me. And everyone always talks about how like my brother looks so much like my dad. And I'm always like, Yeah, but, like, I look like him, too, right? (laughs) So that part just kind of, like, broke my heart a little bit. And she was like, I have her eyes, I guess. It's always really emotional when 
not only emotional, but like it's really special when you can relate to a book in that way. And it makes it that much stronger of a read. Yeah. And something so small, like who knows if the author, when she was writing it, like if there was all of that like thought and emotion that went into it or whether it was just a sentence that came from the character's mouth and it wasn't much to it. And then for a reader to have like an experience where they're like, shoot, man. Sounds really validating. What's next on the docket? You're looking at me. I'm going to look at you right back. What's next on the docket? (laughs) Next week, we're going to be talking about, actually, it might not even be next week because we're probably going to release all these episodes at the same time. But the next episode, whenever you may be listening to it, whenever it may be gracing your eardrums, is going to be Hades and Persephone retelling. I am super stoked about this one. We're going to be talking about Neon Gods by Katie Roberts, Webtoons, Lore Olympics, Olympics, Laura Olympus. Okay, Kelsey, what is it called, Kelsey? Yeah, it's called Laura Olympics, and I brought this one to the table now that yes. I know what we're talking about. I One of the reasons why I love Happily Ever Afters is that they come in all shapes and form. I have an art background, so when I saw Webtoons, which is just like a little app on your phone that gives you a bunch of like, I mean, Webtoons. They give you like comic strips, but not just comic strips. Like their art and their storytelling is next level. Like I am... Every time I read it, I'm blown away. So, Laura Olympics from Webtoons. I also think I saw that they have made the first volume, like, printed. You can get the physical no way. comic. Yeah. Oh, I got to find that. That's epic. I probably sent it to you or maybe tagged you. I'll try to find it again. But anywho, we're going to be talking about Neon Gods, Laura Olympus, and Pomegranates and Promises, which is uh, Neon Gods by Katie Roberts. Laura Olympus. I'm not sure if who it's by. I would have to look it up, to be honest. Okay. Um, but it's the one on, one on Webtoons. And then Promises and Pomegranates by Savar Miller. Neon Gods is sort of like middle ground, not very dark. It has some kink in it. Laura Olympus, lighter comic, not lighter. Kelsey's shaking her head. There's a lot of serious topics that come with like trigger warnings attached to it. But overall, beautifully written. Awesome. Awesome. And then um, Promises of Pomegranates is supposed to be super dark and mafia based. Right up your alley. So I'm super excited to get into that. I started the prologue today. Are you going to be reading Neon Gods too? Yeah, you told me so. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's the first time that we're going to have read the same book. And ages too. Yeah. It's a good thing that we're not um, doing like a day by day schedule of what we're reading. On that note, (laughs) we are still in the month of January, so our charity is still Dolly Parton's Imagination Library, where they donate and give out free books, no matter your income, status, location. Um, They're in several different countries, and we'll leave any links below where you can donate if you feel so inclined, check out more about the mission. I think they've given out like millions of free books if you guys feel so inclined and do donate just send us an email if you're comfortable with it letting us know that you did how much you gave so we can keep track of how much our generous listeners have contributed to different charities so on that note stay spicy everyone hey doodles doodles
Before you go, remember in the beginning of this episode when we said that we are going to give you all the details on how to enter our amazing giveaway, where we're going to be giving prizes to three different winners. Some of the prizes include a Kindle, Kindle Noted subscription, Audible subscription, signed paperbacks. We are so excited. And all you have to do is leave a review for this podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Then join our Facebook group, the HA Book Club with Summer O'Toole on Facebook. You can find the links down below in the show notes and just post a screenshot of your review hopefully it's not too scathing and you'll be entered into the drawing for this awesome giveaway i gotta tell you what i said i told him he was like what are you what are you doing when he came over yesterday i was like i have a podcast that i need to record it's like a podcast i don't think you've told me about it and i'm like yeah it's like a romance podcast like tell me what it is he was about to type it in i was like "Mm -mm, slow down sir I don't think I want to listen to it. As much as I love the support, I don't think you want to hear it. And he's like, maybe you're right. I don't think I want to hear it. Can you imagine though? Can you imagine if you found it? Episode one, Mr. EMT. Mr. EMT is terrible at carpentry. (laughs) Oh God, I die. (laughs) That was, that was a close call. And then Mr. Plant Daddy may or may not be clean. <laughs> clean. We have aired his dirty laundry. Sucks you have a broken foot in COVID. But you're, you're our hero. You're our hero for showing up, talking about the smut with a broken foot in COVID. Gotta get the shit done. A round of applause for your heroism. <laughs> so I'm reading Thorn of Roses or something. I don't know. It's whatever book I downloaded. Neon Gods. <laughs> Thorn of Roses. <laughs> Isn't that a book? Is that what you're reading? Uh, Pomegranates and Promises. <laughs> Where did I get Thorn of Roses? <laughs>